Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, oh! pay-per-views, bloody premium live events, or whatever they're called. We have interviews around roundtable discussions and a round of the week complete with a big quiz of course on wrestle culture as i said though joined by michael hamflet michael sidrick unfortunately off work today hope it gets well soon um but how are you feeling about dynamite the first sort of normal dynamite on tbs of course this week uh, lots of fallout from last week to deal with i suppose yeah i'm ready for this dynamite i think and i'd like to assume most other people are as well um Ready for some E. Wendy Chu, a W, after <laughs> feeling last week, uh, I don't want to speak for the fan base at large, but there was a certain malaise around Battle of the Belts. Burnt out, I think it's the best way of putting it. Yeah, that, well that was what I was going to say, yeah, that like led me to believe it wasn't just about how obligatory Battle of the Belts felt anyway. There was a sense that, oh, we've had, you know, it's a bit like when there's a bad rampage, you get to the end of the week, there's a rampage that isn't that great, and you're like, you know what, I'm pretty full up when it comes to AEW. I'm not mm-hmm. sure I need too much more this week. It How about another night. <laughs> the good thing about a good wrestling show is that it doesn't take that long for you to be prepared for another fill. And here we are with Dynamite. It's the flagship show. It's the one that tends uh, to not let you down or at least provide something that the next day is still approaching... I don't know what the equivalent would be anymore, but water cooler wrestling television. They're typically, obviously, it's part of our job, so we would come in and talk about it anyway. But the type of thing that you would want to talk about with your wrestling fan friends the next day still occurs on Dynamite. And it felt as though when they were announcing a card last week, this one was destined to have some of those. There was things to get excited about seven days ago. Mm. And now, despite having some of that enthusiasm drained out of us with Rampage and Battle of the Belts, I feel like we're back to where we need to be. I'm ready for this. Yeah, exactly. I think on Monday, uh, even Sidge would say, when we were sat around here reviewing both Rampage and Battle of the Belts, it was like... Gonna need a couple of days off AW yeah. after this. It was satisfactory. There were some great moments last week, mm. but there were also some moments where you were like, Ugh, are they almost stretching themselves too thin? And, you know, what was the original plan with Battle of the Belts? And obviously, you know, the the issues with, with one would assume, medical problems uh, that affected it, it, it is one thing. But even so, I think we all 
went into it not being as excited as a previous TV specials, let's say, from, from AEW. But like you say, back on it now, and I'm excited for tonight. This card looks absolutely incredible. We'll talk about the future for the AEW World Champ and Hangman page in a few minutes. But first, CM Punk versus Wardlow is tonight, and I've, I've not known a match for quite some time that didn't involve titles or number one contenderships or anything like that, where so many people are divided. Like, you, I would have assumed... Well, CM Punk can't lose to Wardlow, and that's not the direction we're going in. We're building him up for MJF. And yet, this question persists, and there is, you know, a way to legitimately achieve this of can Wardlow beat CM Punk, considering what Punk did to MJF last week, of course. This is, without hyperbole, a thrilling combination. So much so, were we not led to believe that it was possibly going to be on a pay-per-view until Tony Khan left his notes exposed to a photographer. It was CM Punk and Wardlow was one of those matches scribbled on the back of that pad, much of which did appear as a card, some of which changed, which I think was designed to maybe make people think, oh, well, what you saw was just hypothetical stuff. So we're getting it here. I don't know if we're getting it here instead or we're just getting it here because that very idea, that notion at the time has made people want it so much that they've willed it into existence. Now, it's just a tremendous pairing, tremendously poised. Um, Wardlow has been given the freedom lately to embrace the baby face he will eventually be with Sean Spears trying to um, tether him a little bit at the end. It's failing. Sean Spears' plot is failing, but the mere fact of them appearing together, the mere fact that Wardlow, as we were told a couple of weeks ago, his next storyline destination is to win a belt for MJF. That will kind of keep him tethered to the heel side for the time being at least. In the meantime, you've got CM Punk, who is wholly motivated in kayfabe, to run through brick walls, or in this case, a human manifestation of a brick wall, <laughs> to get his match with MJF. He stared down um, this challenge, this offer of Wardlow, with a sort of respectful glee. He sold it as being, oh, Christ, Wardlow, but with a determination that he was going to get it done. And those two forces coming together is what makes this so unpredictable. CM Punk has a goal in mind here. This isn't about beating Wardlow. This is about just getting past him to get to MJF. So he's got to use all his cunning and his wild. He's fought men as big as Wardlow in the past. And he's beat men as big as Wardlow in the past. He's getting himself... And he's been hurt by people as big as Wardlow in the past. Well, indeed. Well, indeed. He's, uh, he's getting himself fired up on Twitter today. He called a fan a c- So he's well in the mood for a fight. Um, it's Wednesday, you know what that means. CM Punk is taping up his fists on his phone before he's even made it into the ring. <laughs> um, so he's bang game for this. But Wardlow's got a symphony of power bombs in his arsenal. It's something that's been majestically put over of late. Um, a prediction on this podcast before I saw it from a lesser Twitter uh, account suggesting <laughs> that there was going to be 10 in store for Sean Spears one day could mean that there might be six coming CM Punk's way or seven or however many he wants to do. MJF could interfere. Mm-hmm. I don't hate that um, because what MJF and Wardlow need right now is something to ever so slightly solidify their relationship. I keep using Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns as a recent example of the need to legitimize something which is fraying to protect everybody involved. You can't, Roman Reigns, if you watch the show, would see that Paul Heyman is not necessarily no good. So they have to do things that tie them together. If MJF help Ward, helps Wardlow win, then that would sort of justify what Wardlow is sticking with this. We know it's to you know, feed his family and pay his bills. But sooner or later, the monster's going to be unleashed. Mm-hmm. This would delay that somewhat because Wardlow's just picked up an enormous win. It's derailed CM Punk at the perfect time. And there is even 
AEW is great. It allows you to dig into its relatively small history and find precedence for any number of things that you want to do. In this case, what this match brought to mind for me was uh, Brian Cage and Hangman Page. Hangman Page was right there, and then they took it away, and they found the perfect way to take it away. Not only a delaying pay-per-view match for Hangman Page to get mm-hmm. through Cage, but the one that knocked him down the rankings. Because it's not just about getting to own Jeff for CM Punk. CM Punk has said, I'm going to stop you winning titles, I'm going to fight you, and then I'm going to fight for titles. What derails all of those plans mm-hmm. more than a Wardlow win? This is high-stakes stuff, so much so that it feels to me like the most deserving AW Dynamite main event without a title on the line in as long as I can remember, certainly in as long as CM Punk's been in the company, yeah. when this influx of newer stars has um, proffered a different variety of main events. This is a big-time singles match that isn't for a title, but there are so many title implications sprawling off it. Mm. I love it. Don't ask me who's going to win because I don't wish to be put on the spot. I just can't decide. No, I can't call it in terms of how I think it's going to play out or actually what I want to happen either. In terms of the fact of, look, I, I, I don't want to open the floodgates here and be like, well, we had one TQ last week. We get mm. another one this week. But it is quite a clever way, especially with the way the records work, of going, oh, I'll just hold you down a little bit. We'll not have you not have matches. Yeah. But... If you've got, as MJF has, unfortunately, should never have, but still, <laughs> uh, if you've got an L in that column already in 2022, then yeah, considering what happened last year and what he's done already this year, of course, Adam Cole, who we'll get onto in a second, is in prime position to be the number one contender because Brian Danielson's out of the picture and Punk and MJF aren't on, are not only fighting with each other, which would you know disqualify them from being in a match in terms of just like uh, booking, but also well, why would they be involved in the title picture? They've both had a loss on yeah. their other thing this year. Now, I'm not suggesting we get it the same way. I sincerely doubt uh, that MJF is going to instruct uh, Sean Spears or, him, or he's going to do it himself, that he's going to wander down and just clobber Wardlow to start the match off. But desperate times, if he realizes he's in trouble or if he thinks he can give him the edge to get the victory that Wardlow may perceive as clean, i.e. he actually pins CM Punk rather than a disqualification, via shenanigans. Like you say, it's just impossible to call. I do love that because you can visualize uh, MJF walking middle of the ring and just slapping Wardlow hard across the face and Wardlow going puce with rage and ready to charge through him like that animation of Brock Lesnar on Here Comes the Pain before he hit the big clothesline. (laughs) And then the bell ringing and Wardlow clicking and realising why MJF's done what he's done and MJF doing the hands up and go, whoa, big man. I'm, and then pointing at his head. I'm inside Punk's head. This is all this is about. But for what you get is that split second of Wardlow's going to absolutely kill him. This, and then they, they take that away. And I know you're angry at me, Wardlow, for this. So I tell you what, next week, take your frustration out on Sean Dean. Well, now it's funny you mention that because my worry if they were to go down that route was that you kind of, it's creative, but you have sold people saying Punk versus Wardlow. It's very different than MJF in action. You can take that away with the mm, DQ because yeah. it's like quite a unique finish. It's a risk you want to do in a match that people genuinely want to watch. Taking that away for Heat is very WWE Heat, isn't it? The other people want it, so make them wait longer. AEW, give people what they want. Even oh, if Bully Ray's calling me, sorry. <laughs> so, hey, guys, I like your pitch. I hear that studio's a little bit cold. Why don't I come down there and pitch some pay-per-view endings? That'll warm the place up. <laughs> um, however, it's funny you mentioned Sean Dean 
because I had started to visualize a way in which you arrive at a finish that feels both epic and a little bit cheap that like gives CM Punk his first loss in a way that you can ultimately gain a bit of retribution for. MJF might want to stand on the ramp and watch. He might want to get close to the ring, but we know that he doesn't want a piece of CM Punk. So he's not going to risk himself. Commentary? Commentary, perfect. Yes, they love that anyway. Yes, they're on commentary. The nice safe distance away. It's the closest they've got to an invisible wall, isn't it, the commentary desk? Yeah. Because you could just go and get them, but they don't. Um, CM Punk is wily. CM Punk is a veteran. So let's say FTR are out there and they're there to do the damage. He can duck and he can move and he can avoid the worst of it. But what's going to take them out of action? The errant swinging chair of Sean Spears. So he's swinging wildly for Punk. He misses. He hits FTR. They're out of the picture. CM Punk boots Sean Spears cartoonishly out of the ring. MJF's having to decide whether or not he's going to go in, he's going to go... Uh, Wardlow's been... Let's say Wardlow's been go to sleep, and that's why yeah. he's currently out while all this goes on. MJF's stood on the ramp. He's like, you don't want none of me, CM Punk, blah, blah, blah. And then Sean Dean, independent of MJF, comes and attacks CM Punk from behind. Some brutal steel chair, sort of something like that. Punk is left for dead. MJF kind of can't believe his luck of how this has gone. Wardlow hasn't seen any of this. Pins the prone CM Punk with the old arm over the chest. Punk's taken his first loss. Sean Dean has regained his agency after last week. And MJF cannot believe that this has fallen into his lap. We've come up with like three finishes. That's the sign of a good, unpredictable main event. Exactly. Can't wait for that. Let us know your predictions on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, we'll move on. Talk about the world champion, Hangman Page. I think you and I were talking in the office today about having a bit of an issue with his lack of matches leading up to, obviously, the two brilliant mm. uh, title defences against Brian Danielson. What's next for him? And presumably, Adam Cole factors into this somehow. I mean, the commentary in the last Adam Cole's last singles match against Jake Atlas. On Rampage. On Rampage, yeah. Independent of how that match played out in the end, seemed very much to be leading to Adam Cole becoming the number one contender, which I think is something we discussed on other podcasts yeah. before, actually. There was a, like, yeah, the fun thing about AEW being a broadly competently booked wrestling show is that you can not just map out the, the next person in line for champion, but you can try and at least think about and fantasy book the next three or four. And Adam Cole felt like an early one because it's a pretty cool story to do while Kenny Omega's away, isn't it? There is a... There is a, a tacit peacocking contest going on between the two of them. There is obviously the affection of the Young Bucks, and I guess the inclusion of Red Dragon and all of this in a new elite saga. Um, and Hangman Page has rid himself, for the time being, of Brian Danielson and is in need of a new challenger. The rankings make that easy, but the drama is inbuilt. So the rankings put Adam Cole in the spot but Adam Cole's relationship with the Young Bucks makes this dramatic and makes it interesting. So it just feels so right, doesn't it? The pieces are all seeming to slot in. And on Hangman Page, I wonder how much of a debate this really is, because we were talking about that. And then we were also talking with Andy Murray, yeah. who politely disagreed. And we had a... I mean, I don't know if people on Twitter know this exists, but we had a civil debate and disagreement <laughs> about this. My view on Hangman Page isn't that I want him to be out there every week in his tights and boots. However... I personally believe they looked at uh, the Moxley run and the Kenny run, and for very different reasons, they were kind of special attraction champions. Moxley was always on the show. He never felt like he was away, ever, because he would do one of them awesome promos. 
which would just set you up for the week. Mm. I'm thinking like the darkest days of the pandemic, give me two minutes of John Moxley and that'll give me motivation for another seven rotten days until he speaks again. <laughs> Kenny Omega, we knew the inju- we now know the injuries he was working with that whole time. He had 50 million belts and other working commitments with the likes of Impact. But so he wasn't necessarily wrestling all the time, but he was an ever present through the Don Callis interviews, through the in-ring segments, through the elite melodrama, all of that sort of stuff. My worry is they've adopted that approach with Hangman Page, mm. and it would be okay to do it differently. It would be okay to have Page not defending the title all of the time, but out there being the kind of, well, he's the anxious millennial cowboy. He's a people's champion. I'm tiptoeing around that phrase, but that's what he yeah. is. A, not the a people's champion, a working class hero. He could go out there not to pad out his rankings, but to continue to prove himself, to remain the top guy. And then what you do is, in the meantime, you give people a bit of television time against the champ. They get to, You get to see them in action yeah. against the champion. You get to see how they hang against Page. Even when they lose, it's like, oh, he had a good night against Hangman Page. That is the kind of champion I'm pitching. And a feud with Adam Cole might allow for that perfectly because one thing Cole was really good at at the height of the Undisputed Era in NXT um, and this is very much pre-war Adam Cole booking as well, because they just ran him ragged. You remember all those nights he worked covered in tape? Yes. Like, they ran him ragged because they needed him. But pre-ratings war, Adam Cole was pretty good at very tactically dodging the work. He'd always be there for the takeovers. He'd always be there for the big matches. But he was absolutely fine to let the Undisputed Era do a lot of the dirty work. Yeah, He's got Red Dragon there. He's got the Young Bucks there as people that can work tag matches with, let's say, the Dark Order in order to build this while Hangman Page grafts and grafts. So Cole is slightly fresher. So Page is still selling two brutal matches with Brian Danielson. The chemistry feels right. We've still got quite a long way to go to Revolution. So yeah. they've got time if they want to do that at the pay-per-view. Why not start now? I don't believe AW, the company, that just have Hangman Page do a bit of a brawn breaker and come out and say, well, got my big match out of the way. Looking forward to who's next. See you next week. Mm-hmm. It does, it, they're just not that organization. No. I don't think they're going to, if it's not overtly, they're going to show you probably this week who's going to be next to Page. Just it's, but in, in clues you have to look for rather than just slapping a match graphic up there. Before we move on, there's a question I've got to ask you. I feel awkward asking this because... It's based on you know news reports uh, and and you know people things people have said online, but I also feel very tentative suggesting a return for him. You know when he's left to battle personal demons, etc. Mm. Moxley's name is back in the conversation. Could he return tonight for you? I didn't want to even put this in like the bullet points for this because I don't want to you know will this into existence until he's ready. If that makes well, sense. this is it, isn't it? Like any speculation we do. And uh, in this house, we worship John Moxley. So all of this will be said with the utmost respect. Um, all of it is on him. So much so that I understand what you're saying. And I feel sort of uncomfortable speculating about it in terms of a wrestling angle. It's like we know nothing of Moxley's personal life, and nor should we. And if he's well and he wants to come back, then awesome. Because I love him and I, and I miss him, but I miss him in the way where I want him to feel right first. Yeah. You know, um, I loved... So much the impending Moxley heel turn, especially because it was going to come at Hangman Page's expense. Mm. That line he delivered when he said something like, huh, all people have to do all of a sudden is climb a ladder around here and get a title shot. So brilliantly distilling a two-year arc in a page just apparently coming back and climbing a ladder. And what did we always say? 
For 12 months, it would have been if it got to winter is coming. Moxley had a valid excuse for never getting his fair title shot. And then he would have lost. And then there would have been no excuses left. And you could have turned him wholesale, having had a year of him getting gradually more ground down by this goddamn system, not giving him what he's deserved. Page wins the belt. And the first thing he does is say, John, I'd love to fight you. And then John Moxley batters the Dark Order one by one, as he'd started doing, if yep. you remember. Continues. And then it's like, I, I like you, John. What are you doing to my mates? And then they have the Winter's Coming match. Page wins. And then John Moxley is now fully fledged as a heel. I don't know if you can... No. I, like, I love that it exists. AEW is a long-term company, and there's that for another day. I don't know if you can go back to that for a very long time. John Moxley was a folk hero before <laughs> he publicly admitted to facing up against a demon that so many people have to deal with in their life. He was already this relatable, awesome human, and yet more people will feel tied and connected to him as somebody they can look up to in their own struggles. I think that's a really hard sell as a heel. Um, I mean, I wish Eddie Kingston didn't already have a best friend on AEW television <laughs> because I could think of a perfect slot that Moxley could slot into, but I guess Kingston's got a bestie, so I guess you know Moxley's surplus to those requirements. I'd love him back. Short answer, sorry, after going long and rambling because I miss him so much, is that I would love him back if he wants to be back. I'm sure most people agree, don't they? Yeah, exactly. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's also a title match, sort of, on tonight's show. It's the interim TNT Championship on the line. Uh, this could be a show stealer, this. Sammy Guevara versus Daniel Garcia. Um, I'm not sure if we've actually spoken about this on a podcast or not. Your thoughts on an interim championship, first of all, and then uh, how, well, one would presume Sammy Guevara retains here. Sort of brilliant if it wasn't invented for somebody that potentially only needs to be off television once or two weeks. Like, AW, I mean, Christ, if you got, uh, if an interim title was needed for a belt being off television for a week or so, wouldn't we have had about 50 interim women's titles by now? <laughs> like, it's, I get it, and I like the allusion to uh, sport. This is your world, not mine, but obviously UFC have lent on interim titles before. Um, there is a sense of legitimacy about an interim title because it's almost as if to say, look, these belts are more important. Like, 
we know it's a star-laden industry, but in kayfabe, those belts are supposed to be the reason everybody shows up for work. And if you can't show up for work, then sorry, the belt goes. So, like, I do get all of that. I wonder how much of a um, panic it was when Battle of the Belts was already looking less of a belt battle. And they thought, well, like, we can't not have a belt in that first match and we haven't got anybody else to use. So I guess we're stuck with it. Like, that's my thinking is that more than it was legitimate sports feel because Cody did only need to be gone for like six to ten. I hope whoever it is in the family is has got COVID is recovering and gets well. And I hope could like nothing but the best to the roads is and that you can come back as soon as possible. But I just feel like that was a bit of a panic move because they were looking at battle of the belts and felt that it was maybe not like supplying what it promoted already. And this would only make that narrative worse. Yeah. I, I feel a bit naive because I came into it when they first made the announcement. Like this is genius. Like you say, with my background in, in, in MMA or my knowledge of that, and I thought, as long as they, you know, keep a handle on this, this is a really smart move to, you know, uh, put over more people. I'm not saying everyone should have interim championships, but even if you're wearing a knockoff belt, mm. you look higher up in the pecking order or reputation or whatever you want to call it. And then subsequently, speaking to both of you, uh, Sid and, and yourself, I've got this fear that washed over me. Sid's point, your point there, obviously, of... Well, if you're only going to be off for a few days, do you really need an interim championship? Mm. And Sitch pointed out that with uh, the dreaded wave that is coming to the America to America that we've suffered through here and still are suffering through, there's a chance that almost every champion may have to take a brief hiatus from television. So do you end up with bloody five interim champions, an interim TNT champion, an interim TBS champion, an interim tag champs, world champ, mm. you know. Yeah. No. It's it, it, it's a slippery slope, and I get that. Having said that, in terms of a, a delay to the inevitable rematch between Guevara and, and Rhodes, and if Rhodes, you know, is, is, gets all the medical clearance that he is, and hopefully he hasn't suffered too badly with it, if he comes back... It would be perfect for, as I assume you're going to book, Sammy Guevara to retain here, Cody Rhodes to make a multiple firework return <laughs> yeah. and then say, I'm 100%, and then think, I'll show you I'm 100% by doing some push-ups on the ramp to <laughs> rapturous applause. It's going to be really fun, yeah, when Cody comes back, it is. Um, he's sort of, the, he's kind of, the, this is going to sound like a really weird sentence, but we are where we are in 2020. He's sort of the perfect wrestler to take a COVID break. Because nobody is going to sell defeating this thing that has taken over the world with more obnoxiousness than Cody Rhodes, is he? Like, I beat COVID, and I bought a new car and ran it over. And then there's the same, like, running over one of them little green germ gimmicks with a Corvette in the yeah. car park. And I know that it means a lot to you fans, so this horrific neck tattoo is now available as a face mask. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. The, the tattoo with the mask is great. Um, yeah, I, loads of fun stuff with Cody returning. And I'll, what I do like about the interim title, that's a really good point, by the way, about the slippery slope and a, a raft of interim champions. You said you pointed out. That's a really bollocks. great point. Um, what you could get with Sammy, and I don't think it'll happen here, sadly. I love, I love um, Daniel Garcia. We all do. And his improvement is, not his improvement, he was great, but us getting to watch him and realise the magnitude of the potential star Daniel Garcia could be. Won't be capitalised upon here. It's a pretty cool match to sell off a few days' notice and off the back of an Insta fight, basically. Well, this is what I was going to say. You know, we often... It's a bit NXT, be this, isn't it? We bemoan yeah. WWE for people failing upwards. Well, I would caveat this, and maybe this is my bias towards AEW potentially showing somewhat, is 
Yeah, he lost in that bonkers street fight or whatever, right? But you know how you reheat him? He doesn't just come out and go, um, I'm next in line for this this title, Sammy. He does what he did. Because if I was champion, even if someone had, had been on a losing streak all year, if they pushed their forehead against mine oh. and then just we just started swinging for each other, yeah, I'd do exactly what Sammy Guevara is. I couldn't, couldn't care less what your record is. I'm fighting you next week. Well, this is it, right? So, again, this you're right. This is going to scan as bias and generous and all. And I apologise to anybody listening that already thinks we're like that because here comes a little bit more. If you wish to um, canonise the events of Battle of the Belts, Sammy Guevara and... Cody Rhodes don't have a lot of mutual respect. That's edgy. But Sammy and Dustin earned each other's. This Mm -hmm. was like a rubber match between them, and it was a brutal one at that. And uh, Sammy wins, they shake hands, they hug, and then it was... um, Crockett was coming in the ring, even the belt, wasn't he? And Garcia interrupted all of that nice time that the three (laughs) of them were having, this mutual respect, this blah, 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 blah. Garcia got in the way of that. He took away a moment as well as getting right on Sammy's head. And Sammy has already shown a bit of... Petulance as a heel and impetuousness as a babyface. It's a, like it's the same quality, but you tweak it a certain way depending on what side of the divide that you reside on. As a babyface, he's kind of ran headfirst into those challenges before when he maybe sort of stepped back and had mm-hmm. a bit of a think and taken a breather. And Garcia knows that and he's played to that. So in-character decisions are not stupid. The booking is a little bit convenient. That's what I will say. Yes. The booking is a little bit convenient to get us to tonight. And the idea that not only is the interim champion that has got to fight Cody in a belt-for-belt match, but that he could defend and then lose it actually adds value to Cody Sammy, doesn't it? Because the stakes isn't just Sam, uh, Daniel Garcia might win a belt. It's Daniel Garcia might rip away the rubber match that Sammy Guevara really wants to win the belt for real. So these challenges, I would have Guevara win tonight, yeah. but I would book him to wrestle on Rampage again in another title defence. And I don't know if the shows are being taped back-to-back or whatever, but have Sammy defend the interim title on Rampage or have him defend it next week on... That's what you do. Have him defend it next week on Dynamite if he beats Daniel Garcia and also advertise the return of Cody. So you leave it in the air mm-hmm. that Cody's coming back, not just to sort of announce his return, but to see who it is exactly he's going to be fighting for the interim title. And Cody can say, hey, yeah, you know, congratulations, you've retained your interim championship. You won it, of course, against my brother, I mean, with a little bit of help, and he checks under the ring for Fuego del Sol before their match, for example, when they yeah. do. Well, like, the fun you could... I'll give you a banger for Dynamite with loads of ramifications that you don't even need to pay off. Next week, interim title, Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen. In what effectively is when it fights Cody for the TNT title. You can beat Darby, but what you... What you visualise with the promise of Derby's win and an awesome match between two pillars to boot. It's sort of like, that's off the top of my head, but there yeah. are countless other permutations. There could be some fun had with this. We were accused of bias, or we could be accused of bias from what we said before. So let's balance that out. What bollocks are they going to do with Malachi Black this week? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. Can we talk about Wendy Chu again? Because nothing Malachi Black will do will be as good as Wendy Chu. Do you know why? Because Wendy Chu's acts make sense. I've never wrestled. I've never taken a goddamn bump in my life. I'm just a fat idiot on a podcast. But let me tell you this. I could believe wrestling being so tiring that you fall asleep in the ring. And I could believe if someone woke me up, Mm -hmm. I'd kick him straight in the face. Exactly, right? Two very believable qualities about a wrestler that wrestled in the NXT 2.0 Dome on Tuesday night. Do you know what I can't believe, Wilbon? You being on my right-hand side now, and then you're on my left. How did that happen? What happened is uh, I turned the lights out and I slowly walked behind you. Oh, good. So it wasn't a metaphysical impossibility then? 
Because either, that's either, what either I saw. Way, they're both crap. Rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. Last week was crying out for two things. Number one, and this is not me delving into my own fantasy booking. Well, it is a bit, but I think everybody's in this, on the same page here. Last week did not need Julia Hart being there, still seemingly aligned with the Varsity Blondes, mm. just as a pirate, like the all the they all become pirates. That's what's happening. He's he's building an army of pirates. Um, instead of picking a fight, they're walking the plank. Right. Last week desperately needed Brody King because the implication, because of the implication, you understand, was. Lucha Brothers versus Brody King and Malachi Black, which, by the way, cool match. Mm. Away from the spooky bollocks. Yes, Away exactly. from the magic powers. Cool, cool match. Now, you can't add it because Ray Phoenix is injured. But who can you slot in in place? Pirate Pack, right? Fully recovered from the eye injury. They have at least put something in place where you can do Pack and Penta versus Black and Brody King. That is a wrestling match. That is not something out of Paul Daniels' magic set that we used to all get for Christmas and birthdays when we were younger. I don't want any more of it. Tony Khan went on record as saying that one of his biggest regrets on Dynamite was the Matt Hardy teleportation skit with Chris Jericho, was it? Yes, I believe so. Second pandemic Dynamite, was it? Yeah. Forgiven. You're two weeks into figuring out how the hell you're going to promote empty arena wrestling. You could make plenty more mistakes and it'll still be better than performance center roles. You know, like, yeah, it could be better than Alistair Black, poor sod, working 37 minutes on a roll, right? I, 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 I'm not as offended by Matt Hardy's teleportation as Tony Khan was. I'm certainly not as offended as I was by Malachi Blacks in an arena full of people. Mm. Nobody in that building has since gone to the police and said, I think I saw uh, teleportation last week, officer. <laughs> what? Look, watch the footage back. Use the it was live on television. You can use it as evidence. Yeah. Like, investigate that. No, it's not real. Like, interim championships, real sports emulation. Yes. Shape-shifting, not Keep it simple, stupids. Uh, let's instead talk about Powerhouse Hobbs versus Dante Martin tonight. Talk about a clash of styles. Yeah, I love this. Um, so if you are, I'm not, uh, I just don't have the time of the week. I wish I did. But I am not, as a result, emotionally bound to dark and dark elevation. Um, not yet. Not until we can fit it into our busy podcast schedule anyway. Um, but Powerhouse Hobbs is a reason to check bits of those shows out. He has taken to doing two things that just just delight me. Like my eyes, I, I start to look like a scribble of an emoji where you do the eyebrows in like a isosceles triangle because I get this evil glee on my face. He starts matches by just running into somebody. and Trucking them. Trucking them, thank you. And it's like, you know that guy on Twitter... Uh, Justin, who does all the old TNA content, and he keeps a thread of Monty Brown's pounces mm. because there's something very satisfying about seeing a big guy running into people. Powerhouse Hobbs has figured out, I'm going to run into people. I'm going to truck them. He like, kicks off his matches that way. They're, they're putting him against these skinny jobbers, and then he does the most violent-looking torture rack, this side of, like, Lex Oh, yeah. Andy Murray tweeted if you want to oh, go look at it. Oh, my God. Like, this torture rack of his looks so good. Who's a little guy? Dante Martin. But who can jump, literally vertically leap out the way of a trucking? Dante Martin. I want to see wrestler A versus wrestler B, and they've given me it. Um, I think Dante Martin will win because this um, dark, dark elevation stuff doesn't necessarily translate to dynamite success, dynamite rankings, places. We tend we have to look kind of at the characters as they're performing on dynamite rather than as they are on dark and mm. dark elevation. And Dante Martin is in the middle of his 
run, I guess, his moment, isn't he? It's kind of, we're reaching the point now where Dante Martin, after the confusing contract stuff and after the Leo Rush tag team thing was kind of, not abandoned, but just... They've just, they just haven't followed up on it. Mm. We're led to believe at this point that Dante Martin's going to start putting some wins together, going to start looking at maybe trying to mount a TNT title run. FTW Championship? Um, FTW Championship. But yeah, you you know, yes, because More it's Ricky team, Starks in the ring, please. Yes, because it's Team Taz. Yes, because the Ricky Starks match will be fun. Maybe there's some afters that Taz still wants Powerhouse Hobbs to extract this evening. Um, it's a way to transition it, the FTW Championship onto Hook as well. Is Hook ringside? You know, because Hook has become the, like the preserve of Rampage. The poss- the possibility of seeing him out at ringside with Powerhouse Hobbs will do what I believe they're going to continue to do, which is very gradually try and babyface Team Taz. It occurred to me that with Ricky Starks, Panache, and Charisma, Powerhouse Hobbs kind of like hybrid power game uh, and Hook, full stop. Team Taz have assembled their single individual perfect wrestler and then cut him in three. <laughs> Not... All of them have all of the skills, but Team Taz collectively have got the greatest baby face in wrestling history. <laughs> just Taz saying, Autobots yeah. assemble. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, he's like the orange Power Ranger, isn't he? Getting his, uh, <laughs> getting his Megazord together. Um, I, I just, I think the baby face turn is, it's not imminent, but it's necessary. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you can't have, especially someone like Hook. Yeah. It's bloody pointless trying to be like, ooh, what a nasty group he's a part of. Starks is a heel, right? And his incinerations on Twitter alone of Brian Cage made him the babyface in that match. It can't last. Uh, finally, uh, we have the small matter of Serena Deeb versus Hikari Shida. It's just fair to say this is AEW's biggest grudge match. It's up there. It's definitely up there. They um, they try, try <laughs> not to piss about when it comes to um, series, like, that are going to go over three matches. Um, there's not too many you can think of. And yet recently, Cody and Malachi Black damaged that somewhat, in my opinion. And uh, up until the street fight, TJ and Penelope Ford and the Bunny, because they just kept I mean, doing that match over and over and over again. Better best of 85 series, <laughs> to be fair to them. Um, no, yeah, like it's they, what I was going to lead to there was they're kind of starting to push their luck. They're a two and a half year old company now, so of course there's going to be rematches. Of course there's going to be pairings that come together again. And sometimes the feud demands it as well um, but they are pushing their luck it is tonight and I'm so happy it's happening that the um, I don't want to call it unfair ske- the unfortunate scheduling of this match having to follow an unexpected world title Broadway <laughs> that kind of knackered the audience out that undermined what I thought was an excellent third match mm. we thought it was going to be the rubber match um, Serena Deeb is just in irresistible form they are addressing the complaints that why is she not wrestling more why is she not wrestling more? Why could we look at her cage match stats last year and see so few contests when she was on most people's favourite wrestlers of the year list? That is being addressed, what, on, what is it, like 12th of January mm-hmm. today? They've gone 12 days without Serena Deeb wrestling. That's 11 days too many, but they're making up for it tonight. <laughs> I want Deeb to win this because as the stubborn and increasingly angry heel she is, what does she ask for after the fact? A fifth one. And it's going to be a brawl, it's going to be bloody, and it's going to be brutal, and it's going to be definitive. So I want Serena Deeb to win this tonight with um, not only her technical flair, but something a little bit nasty. Hikari Shida has, um, I wouldn't say out-wrestled Deeb in the wins, but has um, shown enough guts to survive the worst of Deeb's offense and survive the worst of her kind of 
nasty brinksmanship and get through it and show that resolve that she once showed when she was AW World Champion. It's been a good restorative feud for Hikaru Shida. But tonight's the night I want Serena to get that little bit down and dirty that Shida didn't think she had in her because I think that sets up a fifth match and a particularly cruel and violent one. If they're not doing that, I, like, I can't see Shida winning, ultimately. I think 3-1 is it, isn't it? Yeah, 3-1 is absolutely it. They can't go again if Shida wins. And I just feel like this has got a fifth match, a bloodbath as a finale written all over it. Shida had like that awesome brawl with Nyla Rose. We've not yet had Deeb in that environment. And AEW, thankfully, for all the criticisms of their women's wrestling over the years, are willing to let the women go as far as the men in terms of the violent matches. So I think that would be an awesome... Um, main event, possibly, yeah. of a Dynamite, that, that brawl, you know. Um, AEW have shown they know how to do this, use the plunder effectively, uh, and this is going to bang. This is going to be absolutely brilliant with a crowd that aren't burnt out to watch it. Yeah, I completely agree with everything Open, Open the show. Open the show with it, Put yeah. Wardlow last, Deeb and Sheeter on first. Give them the uninterrupted 15 minutes. I love that, yeah. And I will agree, I think Deeb needs to win this one. I'm biased. I absolutely adore Serena Deeb. Um, for me... You have her win this and probably have have her win the rubber match. And in the interim, do all the stuff with Hater and Baker and probably have to turn Britt Baker face in amongst all that. And then you've got Baker versus Deep for the pay-per-view, which I think could break Meltzer's scale. <laughs> I, I am... Um, I that that's hard anymore. The Baker-Deeb pairing is so perfect. And yet, I feel like we can't get there until Thunder Rose has beaten Britt Baker. Oh, I yeah, do wonder, it's a fair I, point. I do wonder if Baker's babyface turn comes in eventual defeat uh, at the hands of Thunder Rosa, where she kind of does the old introspective thing and thinks, right, I'm back to the bottom and I've got to figure things out. And then you get to Deeb and she maybe out-wrestles Deeb to get herself back on the front foot, something like that. I don't know. I uh, I think everybody would feel a little bit denied if it wasn't Thunder Rosa That's at this a fair point. point yeah. But Deeb and Baker's... An irresistible combination. Imagine a show. I mean, I realise it's miles off, so it's not going to happen. But imagine a show. If we're going to go with my book, I actually think I completely forgot about Thunder Rosa and, mm. and should have included her in that. Imagine a show there where it's Deeb and Baker for the world title. And for whatever reason, they've been kept apart. Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez. Oh, just like awesome. Just awesome. And to build off Mercedes Martinez, like Jade Cargill was hugging her daughter. On uh, after she won the mm-hmm. title, um, they were they weren't turning a baby face, but they were prepared to present her as a sympathetic figure that we should share in the joy of, rather than being this dominant heel. She's going to pick up a couple of wins, and if she starts, if she remains as dominant as she is as a champion, there's every chance that like fans will just start enjoying her work. She gets rid of Smart Mark Sterling and stuff, and people are just like, actually, she's. I want to back that. I back fans back winners. I've always said this. Fans back winners. There will come a point where they back Jade Cargill. And then Cargill, Serena Deeb. And oh. that's that's the title match she gives to Serena Deeb. And Serena Deeb yeah. tasked with solving the Jade Cargill puzzle. There you go, TK. We fixed it. <laughs> uh, right, let us know your thoughts ahead of Dynamite tonight on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. You actually can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamblett at... At... Sorry, uh, uh, Michael Hamblett. Follow me at Adam Wilbur. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. See what I mean? Relatable. <laughs> Be more relatable, Malachi. Go to sleep. Oh, feed the same punk. <laughs>
What a culture wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, our NXT Dubai review is available right now. And our review of this show will be out tomorrow on that feed as well. But for now, this has been the AW Dynamite preview. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.